Welcome into another episode of Cast a Podcast. It's been a little bit since I did one of these things. I was wrapping up uh, Eufaula, but since the Elite Series hit Lake Eufaula in Alabama, a lot has changed. A lot of things have happened. A lot of bass fishing tournaments have been postponed, have been moved, but the Bassmaster Elite Series must go on, and we are going on in the state of New York. A lot has gone into that whole entire process to get some of the best anglers in the world to the state of New York to fish. It was planned to be a three-week road trip with Cayuga Lake, the St. Lawrence River, and Lake Champlain, and we'll get into the specifics of each event and whatnot, but Cayuga was uh, canceled because of the COVID requirements that New York put on. Um, Bassmaster made sure we did it through the pro sports exemption, and we have moved on to the second and third event of this uh road trip to New York. So we will be technically starting our New York trip, the New York swing at the St. Lawrence River. And to get a little bit of perspective on the St. Lawrence River, I'm going to talk to a couple guys in this podcast. I'm going to talk to uh, Nolan Miner. He's going to give his thoughts on the river, how it's going to fish. He was up there just a few weeks ago. That'll be a good tell of what those fish were doing and how he thinks it'll be playing out, what the conditions are going to be of that place. And then at the end of the show, we will get some fantasy picks from Mr. Kyle Jesse. He's a friend of the podcast, been on here a few times. So we're going to start it off, though, with Mr. Nolan Miner. And if you don't know Nolan Miner, he is one of the college fishing standouts from West Virginia University. Put that school on the map for college fishing, I'll say. Um, they've had some good teams in the past, a couple good specific anglers, but I don't know if we've seen the consistency out of that program um, prior to Nolan and his partner Casey showing up at West Virginia. West Virginia. So enough of the bragging about Nolan. Nolan, how are you? I'm doing well. So you were just up at the St. Lawrence River, man. You had a ball. I was actually almost on my way to the St. Lawrence River and to Lake Ontario. I want to be specific. I was almost on my way to Lake Ontario, which was off limits to the Elite Series pros prior to all this COVID mess. But now we know Lake Ontario is in play. The Canadian waters of the St. Lawrence and Ontario are out of play. So we have New York in play in both the river and the lake. So I was almost up there before New York put all the guidelines in place and we had to detour to Michigan. So you were already up there. You were already smashing them. And I was really jealous. I didn't get to hit Lake Ontario when you guys were up there at the St. Lawrence. Yeah, we, uh, we had a blast up there. Got up there for the opening weekend of the bass season when you're allowed to start targeting them. Uh, after experiencing that, uh, the first time around when, uh, college bass went there, we knew we had to get back, and it just so happened that things worked out for us to all have some uh, unexpected free time this year to get up there. Now, now explain to the folks who are maybe unfamiliar with what it's like in the north. They know the southern fisheries, and there is no season. It is 365 days a year. So for there to be a season up north, what is that like when they open it and everyone and those fish haven't you know, probably seen a lure in quite a long time? Yeah, so up north, I mean, on top of the fact that there's a bass season, those fish are underneath ice for a long time, and even when it's not frozen, it's really cold, and those fish are pretty inactive, so when it does warm up, you know, those fish, they don't have a long time to uh, to feed, and so they, in general, just seem to be way more aggressive than southern fish, but yeah, uh, there's certain bodies of water in New York that you can't target bass until the, I believe it's the second or third Saturday in June. The whole state's catch and release until from sometime in the fall uh, until the third Saturday of June. But the St. Lawrence specifically, you're not even allowed to target bass. Um, so even catch and release is prohibited. So those fish kind of get a free pass for a while, uh, people not harassing them. And then they open it up, and it's pretty amazing fishing. When you teased it, you guys got to go in 2019 to the St. Lawrence River for a Bassmaster College Series event. And it was in that same time frame, shortly after the season opened, and fish were on the bed. But the transition, you know, in the South, fish are on the bed, you know, late February, early March, you know, especially depending on how far you are down South, they're on the bed late, late February, early March, and you'll still see fish on the bed through May. But when it comes to the Northern fisheries, they start to get on the bed, it seems, around that late May, June time period, and they're gone 
pretty quick after. Like they they knock it out pretty fast. Uh, and so, was that the case in 2019? They were on the bed, but what was what stage were they in? And compared to this year, uh, were they just was just as many on the bed? Yeah. So this year, uh, it was definitely not as hard of a spawn. Um, so, hold on a second. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Um, so this year, uh, the fish, it definitely wasn't as hard of a spawn um, because apparently last year, and this is from talking with locals up there, apparently last year with the high water, that was kind of a, a once-in-a-blue-moon event. Probably we'll never get to experience that again. That was arguably the best that the river can be. And this year was more normal. So the spawn was more staggered. They had already been spawning for a while. Um, it got warmer faster this year. Um, so by now, so honestly, with the way the smallmouth are, and from, you know, I, I know a couple people uh, who live up there now, and I'm all about getting to talk to some people and just getting some local info because that place really is so amazing. Just learning about it is insane. Um, there's probably going to be fish on bed right now, not many, and I don't think it'll play, but absolutely there's probably still a couple fish left spawning because basically the way the locals have put it, there's just so many smallmouth in that river that they just continue spawning. I don't remember how long they've been spawning from when we, when we got up there, but somebody told me they've been spawning for like a month, somebody who lives there and had been around on the river. So water level, definitely a big factor. Last time you guys were there in 2019, for the college series, you guys actually like a 250 boat field was restricted to one of the smallest parts of the river yet 85th place. You had to have 20 pounds to be in, in the top 85 or 90, something absurd like that. So you guys were restricted to a small portion of the river because of the high water, but because of the high water, it was better fishing than you would get that time of the year, no matter where you were. Um, so this year, obviously water a little lower, fish a little bit more normal but it did heat up faster and for folks who maybe don't target those smallmouth when they get done with the bed or you said there might be fish still in the bed right now periodically those fish roam those flats which which are three to four feet deep they're not you know not a lot of those flats are super super shallow or super super deep they're just like a solid uh depth that those fish can hang around plenty after the spawn where it almost you're like maybe they're spawning maybe they're not or maybe they're just hanging out up there yeah i was gonna say the uh the way that edwin won that tournament up there would not be at all surprised to see similar uh fish behavior in this event um i uh got the chance to spend some time in the boat with ron nelson who is an incredible uh, smallmouth fisherman and he knows a lot about the behavior of those fish basically the way he said it to me is that you will have shallow smallmouths on that river all the time so doesn't matter you know what point during the summer there's a lot of fish out deep but you can always have big fish shallow so absolutely i think you're definitely going to see some guys uh, in this upcoming tournament that are going to be you know looking at them basically not necessarily fishing for spawning fish but absolutely seeing fish and sight fishing yeah definitely sight fishing and and we see those guys that are throwing they're pitching a drop shot around or they're throwing a small swim bait or they're throwing a hair jig a marabou jig around those guys that you can you can kind of stealthily target that hey we've even seen walking baits work and flukes and things like that so you can stay up there and catch those shallow fish but what really seems hard about a fisher like the st lawrence is you can have a blast and catch a bunch of fish and some good ones and catch 18 19 pounds and come to weigh in you know catching them 18 19 pounds shallow and you're not even in the ballpark of having a shot to win and so that's the tough thing is not you're not looking for four pounders at the st lawrence river you're looking for fives to five and a halfs and you're going to at least need one or two of those maybe per day if you really want to have a shot to win or you're going to have to need you're going to need a day where you pair five of those five plus pounders together to make up ground and that's what's hard is if you don't catch them one day it's hard to really make up ground unless you roll up on a spot because they're everywhere in the st lawrence river and they're big almost everywhere you just have to find almost incrementally i got to find ones that aren't 
four and a half, I need to find those four and three quarters, and that's very hard to do at times. Yeah, the the bass population on that river is absolutely mind-boggling, and I think that the college tournament we had uh, is a great example of that because, yeah, you look at those ridiculous weights. We had to fish in one pool. We were all stacked on top of each other. Still ridiculous weights. The fish in that river, it's just unbelievable how many there are and how big they are. And we know, okay, so we know the St. Lawrence River. We know Waddington, New York, fantastic crowds, amazing uh, host city there. We will not be in Waddington this year, um, which may or may not be a good thing, may may or may not be a bad thing. Uh, If you're going to want to go to Waddington, New York, you're going to want to have huge crowds. And with COVID-19 around and whatnot, and you're not able to have those large functions, uh, it might be the best time to not go there. Um, because you would never want it to let down expectations. They've set the bar so high there. So with that being said, we're not in Waddington, which is at the northeast corner, basically, of the St. Lawrence River. Instead, we're down in the south, you know, towards the southwest portion of it, which is Clayton, New York. I'd say it's three-quarters of the way down the river, and so they're only uh, just a few miles from Lake Ontario. That's a big aspect that's different this year. Back in 2013, when the Elites first came to the St. Lawrence River, Brandon Polinick made the run all the way from Waddington out into Lake Ontario, was the only angler to do so, won the event, 88 pounds and change, would have had 90 pounds even because he had a two-pound penalty. But since then, we haven't had Lake Ontario in play. Like you said, Edwin Evers won shallow in 2015. KVD won uh, you know, straddling the Canadian-New uh, York border in 2017 we saw josh bertrand win deep drop shotting in 2018 and then last year we saw micah frazier come from 10th and and do it with a ned rig in 2019 so we've seen different baits win the elite series event at the st lawrence every single year so nolan do you think what portion of the 86 person elite field do you think will spend a considerable amount of time in lake ontario during the the event and i will preface we're recording this during practice, but of the three days of practice they've had, two days have been rough as can be, and one day has been slick calm. So for those guys wanting to be out in the big lake, it's probably been harder than usual to practice and get around. So we will see how Lake Ontario plays, but do you think it'll really impact uh, maybe the top the top 10 guys? Do you think a considerable bunch will come from the, Lake Ontario? So... I honestly have no experience with the lake. I played around there uh, one of the days when I was in New York, and we didn't do well at all. The fish are undeniably out there. Um, what I'm not sure is that how necessary it is to go there because of how many fish are in the river. Um, I don't. I fished a tournament up there a while ago, um, and a lot of guys wanted to go to the lake, and this was a tournament that launched out of Messina. So they're running so far to get there and have limited time. And if it's worth it for, granted, I have no experience, you know, to speak on it really, but if it's worth it for guys to run from Messina or Waddington and fish the lake, I think you absolutely are going to see guys go and fish the lake. Um, if you're launching out of Clayton, I mean, that's, that's not nearly as far. That's, that cuts your time way down you won't be wasting any time that's just you know it's another place to go really um but yeah again wind that's going to be your big factor there you know you might be able to get out there for a short period or maybe one of the days but i don't think that weather could possibly line up for anybody to have a whole tournament out there that's what brandon polonick mentioned he got to come to studio during this break and we talked and he said Back then, when they launched from Waddington in 2013, he was in a win-or-go-home scenario, and he said, hey, if I've got 45 minutes of good fishing time, I'm going to go because the quality's there. Now, he did say that was in 2013 over seven years ago, and it's changed considerably where you don't have to go to the lake to win. You can go to the lake and win, but you can win in the river. So that will be interesting. I'm interested to see how many guys go from Clayton to Waddington. You know what I'm saying? Everybody goes from Waddington and they go south towards the lake or towards Clayton or towards Ogdensburg. I want to see how many guys go from Clayton towards Waddington. Um, But the only thing that hurts the river, I will say the only thing that hurts the river from really fishing its true potential is only having New York waters inbounds. There are some really narrow portions of the river 
where there's not going to be much fishable water on New York, and then it opens up and it's a little wider and those things. Some of those, I think Micah Fraser's winning area was in Canada, and uh, some of those aspects will factor in on that. Also, what you got to think, some of that current is so swift through the St. Lawrence River, and it flows from southwest to northeast. So it flows from the Great Lakes to the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, when you get out in the lake, you don't hardly feel the current like you do in the river. The river's going to be drifting, flowing with the current, doing those, you know, those educated drifts, and you're not going to just straight drop on fish and be able to stay and hold your position there. Whereas in the lake, if you do find a rock pile, you can drop straight down to 15, 20 feet and catch them. So it's really going to be interesting to see the dynamics of guys who are fishing and catching them and the guys who are looking at them and dropping on them because I don't think that you can uh, I don't think you can do one of those in the lake uh, or I don't think you can do both of them in the lake. I think you'll have to make that decision to fish deep in the lake because um, because those shallow fish in the river are just so plentiful. Yeah, and uh, one thing that uh, Dave Mercer wouldn't want to hear me talk about. I'm kind of curious to see if there's going to be largemouth weighed in uh, <laughs> if they have a rough if they have a rough day. Uh, when the lake is, you know, churning and the river gets pretty nasty too. Um, the largemouth, like you said, you need, you know, you obviously need four pounders at the St. Lawrence. There are plenty of largemouth in the four to five pound class there. And, you know, maybe not have five of them, but two or three fish over four pounds can certainly go a long way. And Hunter Shryock, yep. uh, he was very vocal about his uh, largemouth fishing and it's on his youtube channel i'm sure some guys have seen that i'm sure it's been taken into account um to maybe not rule the largemouth out uh as much as they are historically you know maybe not the wind but uh i think you can do pretty well and weigh a few largemouths um if you remember in the uh college series there were some big largemouth weighed i think uh some guys from Adrian College had, they had uh, 23, almost 24 pounds, I want to say, on the final day, or second to final day, I can't remember which day it was, but uh, they had one small mouth, but it was their small fish, so fish live there, um, I'm curious to see it, I like seeing those fish just because they're so cool, the large mouth up there, low, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think we'll see some weight for sure. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And does the Elite Series finally break 100 pounds at the St. Lawrence River and be the first ever four-day, 20-fish maximum century mark for smallmouth? Will that happen this week? Uh, I'm going to say no, just because of what I've heard from people fishing the river this year. sounds like it may be tougher, but... um, the elites are the best you know it wouldn't surprise me it would be awesome if it happens but i'm gonna say no and we'll have we'll have a couple shots on goal for that with the st lawrence and lake st Clair coming up in august uh if we're still able to do that we should be able to but you never know like i said with covid timelines uh a day is a week (laughs) what we learn in a day we learn in a week normally what we learn in a week it feels like a month and then a month in covid time feels like a year so Nolan, one thing I'm going to have you do before you leave is uh, give me a prediction of, a, of an angler or two that you think will do well outside of maybe the favorites. You can mention a favorite, but don't go chalk on me. Think about somebody maybe that you that might that might be under the radar as well. Um, if you if you do have a local favorite in mind or a favorite in mind, pick somebody else as well. Yeah, I want to see uh, how Kyle Welter does. He uh, he's new. Um, and he is an incredible fisherman. I've been following him on YouTube for a few years. Uh, he's, you know, a smallmouth definitely aren't his strength, but he's an incredible fisherman. Uh, he can figure out how to catch some, and he would definitely be a guy that I would maybe see weighing in a couple big largemouth. But, uh, yeah, keep an eye on him. He's, I don't know, he's just really good. You know, even though smallmouth aren't his thing, wouldn't surprise me to see him pull something out and uh, fish a final day. We're going to see some big-time growth, and I mentioned that to somebody during this break from you follow to now. We're going to see some big-time growth in Kyle Welcher because if he can figure out St. Lawrence River and Lake St. Clair and figure out some smallmouth and be able to, to not maybe – he doesn't have to go out and win the event, but just don't lose too much ground 
this Angler of the Year deal could be right up his alley with those fall Santee Cooper, Chickamauga, Lake Fork, largemouth tournaments. We could see Kyle Welcher really make a charge late in the year for the Angler of the Year. He's had two great events at the St. Johns River and Lake Eufaula. But if he can if he can manage, sustain, not survive, but sustain at the St. Lawrence and St. Clair, we could really see a star in the making. And I think that Welcher's got a – he's one that we need to definitely watch uh, his career bloom, but definitely this week. That's an interesting pick. I'm glad you picked him. That's a little off the radar because uh, I know it's going to be hard to go off chalk. And one thing I'll say before we leave is uh, before we leave you is it's going to be very interesting to see how much local advantage plays with how rough Sunday's practice and Monday's practice was on the anglers. Uh, obviously, two days of practice in calm conditions, the anglers can figure it out, but it definitely helps those guys like Brandon Polinick, Chris Zaldane, uh, the Johnston brothers in Lake Ontario with harsh conditions that guys can't efficiently practice, it could it could really help their home field advantage. Yes, those first two names you mentioned were the ones I was going to say. I'm sure Brandon's got some stuff that he's just waiting to go check on, or maybe he's not even going to check on it. He's like, I'm going to go fish it, you know, if I get a, a chance to fish it. I'm sure Chris has stuff uh, the same. He likes fishing around that Cape Vincent area, and now he doesn't even have to drive for very long to get to it. Yeah. That's one thing that's going to be interesting. I, I want to see. I'm going to go pull the numbers to see the 2013 St. Lawrence River TV show and see how many views it had from the time we announced that Ontario was in limits to the tournament starting. Because I guarantee you, with that's the only like big big time TV televised tournament on Lake Ontario that Bassmasters had. I guarantee you, plenty of anglers watched it and uh, have checked some areas uh, worth checking. So. Nolan Miner, appreciate you taking the time, bud, to, to talk to us. You you got to fish the St. Lawrence just a few weeks ago and gave some insight on how it was fishing then and what you expected to fish like now. Uh, good luck, man, in your in your future. I know that you're still giving the college deal a go, but before you go, what are your plans? What are your goals? Are you going to uh, are you going to pursue the opens? straight out of college or are you going to try to straddle them and do the opens while you're still finishing college or, or what's your deal going forward um i'm still trying to piece the puzzle together i know that when i fish a tournament it feels so right it feels like that's what i'm supposed to do i don't know how i'm going to get there i don't know how long it's going to be maybe things go my way and it happens you know within a couple of years maybe it takes longer than that i don't know but I feel like that's what I need to do with my life. Feel like that's where I'm being drawn towards. So can't really give you a timeline or or a plan. But uh, yeah, definitely have intentions and aspirations of pursuing that. Well, I'll leave it with uh, Nolan Miner is one of the brightest young names in college fishing and i've been able to be a part of the college system i've been able to predict some of the guys like the drew cooks the patrick walters the jake whitakers the jordan and matt lees the justin atkins of the world all those guys i've competed against them and i've seen their skill and it's translated well to the pros i think that uh not because you're on the podcast but i'd say this to anybody you are one of those guys that i would be thoroughly shocked if it didn't end up positive for you um, whereas some guys are like, hey, man, I'm surpri- I'll am i be surprised if you make it pro. Good luck. Uh, I'd be surprised if it was the other way around and, and you didn't end up stumbling upon an Elite Series berth or a classic a classic berth at some point soon. So, Nolan, mine, appreciate the time, bud. Uh, good luck in all your ventures, wherever you're fishing, whatever you're fishing for. Uh, all I know is Nolan loves to fish uh, no matter where it's at. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ronnie. That was Nolan Miner. I appreciate Nolan taking the time to do that. Now we're going to go over to the second part of our fantasy fishing podcast for the St. Lawrence River in Lake Ontario. And that means it's time to pick some of the anglers. And I've got Kyle Jesse. We all know him. He's a friend of the program. Uh, and Kyle, we're going to jump into the five buckets. And that's kind of a, an, a hard thing to pick at times. And, and the way the St. Lawrence and the way you follow, the way the points laid out. These buckets are somewhat interesting how many people are distributed in what buckets. So first off, uh, how excited are you to get this event going? Super excited. I mean, obviously, anytime the elites go to New York or, you know, head north, 
Um, especially living here in Arkansas for us is exciting because the fishing gets tough here. But, uh, you know, when they go north, the fishing is phenomenal and you always see big weights, you know, big bags, and it's just a ton of fun. And like Ronnie said, this is a real interesting event as far as fantasy goes because, you know, you had some really high percentage buckets where guys were super heavily picked and then some buckets that were super extremely stacked with really good smallmouth guys. And, you know, really it's a, just an interesting event as far as fantasy goes for sure. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Before we pick our team and we go through bucket by bucket, what do you think the winning weight's going to be? Do you think that we can break the century mark? I asked this to Nolan. Um, I've been asked this before. But do you think we'll finally break the century mark, 100 pounds of smallmouth for four days of fishing? I think, obviously, it's, it's, it's possible. I mean, I think that there's, there's no doubt it can happen. Um, but I'm going to take one out of your book. I'm going to say that pretty much, you know, in sports in general, whatever I root for never happens. So I'm going to use Ronnie's logic and say that it's not going to happen and maybe it will. A little, uh, you know, reverse psychology on them. Well, I think that I think it does have a really good shot to do so. Uh, one thing that's interesting about the St. Lawrence River is this is going to be, I believe we had 2013, 15, 17, 18, 19. This is our sixth time there with the Elite Series. And the winning weights have varied from 77 being the low weight to 97 being the high weight. We've had uh, some 88s and 84 um, and 87. I think we had like a 90 as well. So we've we've really flirted with it. But one, one interesting thing, in our six times being there, it's been a different week from that mid, uh, mid-July to, to August that whole time period, we've been there a different week every time. So the closest week that we have uh, to this one would be, you know, I think we were there July 20th through the 23rd one time. And so we're kind of, uh, we're in there in that time period now. And that'll be interesting. I have it as 98 pounds and change a win. Um, Ontario's that wild card for sure, though. That's that's the place that we haven't been there since 2013. Guys haven't been able to fish there, and so we don't know what that could hold for our field. But we know the St. Lawrence itself has put out big bass. But to do 100 pounds in largemouth, very hard to do. To do 100 pounds in smallmouth, never been done for four days with 20 bass. It'll be very difficult, but I think this will be a good, exciting event to do so. Um, so I'm going to just jump into bucket A. And bucket A, for those who are listening and wondering why the Johnstons or Viders, Zaldane, all the heavy hitters for smallmouth aren't in bucket A. It's off of not only the angler of the year points, but also the classic finishes. It's based off of your finishes for the year that you fished. So the guys who are in bucket A are in the top of the angler of the year standings. They also factored in and did well in the classic. Like a guy like Todd Auten uh, did well to St. John's. I can't remember how Todd did at Eufaula, but he got second at the classic. So two really good finishes to start his year and one solid finish um, has him at the the top person in fantasy fishing points wise and you've got Canterbury you've got all these guys going down through there these are your guys that are doing great in points and have done well in the classic so I'm gonna go ahead and go pick a guy from another big body of water I'm gonna go pick Chad Pipkins a, a guy from Michigan um, great with smallmouth great with his electronics Excited has a positive attitude at tackling the elites. I think that's a really big thing. A lot of guys were unsure about the COVID situation. Chad had a really positive attitude towards it all and was excited to get it going. Um, and now that we are started, it's it's a tournament that's going to be in his wheelhouse. So I expect Pipkins to do well this week. And and to preface it, if any of our picks duplicate, we have not talked about who we're picking. And so uh, if we do, I'm sorry, but. That just proves, furthermore, why you should pick those guys, maybe. Yeah, so I'm going to go with, uh, you know, by no means a dark horse pick in that bucket, but I'm going to go with Brandon Lester. Uh, it's To me, it's super hard to root against him. Obviously, has had success here at the St. Lawrence before. Um, you always have to factor that in to some extent. But, I mean, even beyond that, it just seems like any event where the fish are not necessarily that Brandon Lester can't fish the bank, but any event where sitting behind, you know, your graphs and putting in time offshore, it seems like Brandon Lester is always going to factor. Um, and, you know, he was picked at 13.5% in the bucket. So, I mean, it wasn't the, I don't, eh, definitely not the heaviest in the bucket, but, you know. Um, I think Jamie Hartman was like a 32 or 33%. Yeah, 32%. And then you had a 20% with Scott Canterbury. 
Um, you know, as far as Brandon Lester goes, it's just, you know, like I said, for me, I couldn't imagine him having a tough event. You know, it could always happen, but I like Brandon Lester in the bucket A. And when I can get away with picking a lower percentage angler, I try to, especially if it's, if it's going to give me an advantage somehow. If I don't think that the highest guy is, is overwhelmingly too high, whatnot. So Pipkins at 6 to 7% for me is, is a really good underrated pick um, for your fantasy team. Now, uh, since you ended off Bucket A, go ahead and start us on with Bucket B, who you think you're going to go with. So Bucket B, uh, I'm going to go with kind of more of a dark horse pick as far as I'm concerned, uh, would be David Mullins. Um, kind of the same logic as far as, you know, offshore fishing. Um, you know, we talked about it. I mean, he's had some success, smallmouth fishing, um, you know, has been up there, I guess, what, the, at least the last two times that, you know, that they've, you know, the elites have been to St. Lawrence. Um, I just like David Mullins in this bucket. It's a, it was a tougher one for me to pick. Bucket B was probably the toughest choice that I had, I would think, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with David Mullins at 2.8%. And that's not saying that bucket A is not tough to pick from either, but I think that bucket B and C are some of the most well-balanced buckets of sure. them all because it's so many guys that are just hot streaks, good anglers, mm-hmm. smallmouth anglers, something like that. With Hank Cherry, Stetson Blaylock, those guys are at 12 and 24%. You've got Paul Mueller at 22%. Like you said, you have uh, – Bill Lowen in there at eight percent, and and your pig David Mullins three percent. That's a that's a pretty good solid rate. Um, in that bucket, I'm picking Hank Cherry. Hank Cherry, we know how well he how how well versed he is with a jerk bait. We know how how great uh, and how much smallmouth love jerk baits. So I feel feel like that's a match made in heaven. And past years, he's had problems losing them, or. In past years, there's been reasons that, like, you had to release them if they were hooked outside the mouth, you know, with salmon rules that just are put over bass tournaments for some reason. So I think Hank Cherry, this is a good chance for him to shine. I think uh, with the the field launching from Clayton and not Waddington, more people will go to the lake, which means it opens up some of that water in the river. And if he chooses to stay in the river and jerk around some of those current breaks and whatnot, I feel like this could be a good opportunity for Hank to be able to run around and do some of that. So Hank's my pick for bucket B. Um, You picked uh, David Mullins. And so your two picks right now are Tennessee guys, Mullins and Lester. Um, Those are both respectable picks. And then with me, Pipkins and Cherry. So as we get to bucket C, I'm going to tee Bucket C off as the most competitive bucket in the field for the St. Lawrence River. And Agreed. it's got the the likes of Seth Fighter, Chris Zaldane, Micah Frazier, three guys who are great at this place. Frazier with a win there. You've got guys like Jason Williamson and Matt Heron who have been there every single year. The elites have been there. You've got guys like Jeff Gustafson, Canadian, knows smallmouth real well. Uh, a guy like Hunter Schrock who has actually used largemouth to factor and do well and get a top 20 there. Yeah, uh, last year at least. Then you've got a couple new guys and some some under the radar guys. Polinick, I don't know if people just forgot that he came back to the Elite Series or something, but only nineteen percent owned. He's not even the third high. He's I think he's the third highest person picked. You've got guys like Austin Felix and Brian Schmidt who are uh, less than one percent owned, and they are they are literally great northern fishermen. Oh, yeah. Felix from Minnesota, Brian Schmidt from Maryland, but. Schmidt and Felix, if you don't pick them for St. Lawrence, you'll want to think about them for Champlain because those two guys are really great there. And even going down the list even more, uh, Jay Yellis, he got a top 10 here last year. So with that being said, there's like 10, 11 guys that you could possibly pick and do and probably be just fine with. And so with that, I'm going to pick Clifford Perch. He's one of the underrated guys, I think, and only 1% of fantasy fishing is buying him right now. And, and man, I think that Perch is going to win one. And when you think about, oh, this guy's due for one, that guy's due for one, this guy's good at that, this guy's good at this, Perch is great with electronics, great with deep water, great with smallmouth, and so I feel like he's going to take home one of these events, whether it's a Champlain, a St. Lawrence, a St. Clair, those are, those are the fisheries that I feel like he really will do well on and so Clifford Perch will be one to watch, he's done well at the St. Lawrence before, and like I said, 1%, I mean, I bet you he's like the 10th highest guy in the bucket because of those other guys being picked. So he's my bucket C pick. That was a really tough one, but I feel like I can gamble here and pick him at 1% instead of having to go with a fighter for 36, a Zaldane for 20, a Polinick for 20. 
um, Frazier for five, Gustafson for nine, those kinds of guys. So I'm taking a gamble there, but I think it's a really calculated, good pick in Clifford Perch, 1%. I like that pick a lot. Um, you know, for, like you said, it's almost just unbelievable that he's at 1% because, I mean, you, you think back of all the smallmouth events I can think off the top of my head, like Clifford Petr- Perch is going to – he's been a factor almost every single event. Um, and, you know, that just speaks volumes to what Ronnie was saying with how stacked this um, – you know, this bucket is, is for him to be picked at 1%. It's just almost head-scratching. You know, I'm sitting there scratching my head over that. But, um, so for my pick, I'm going to go with Gussie. Um, Jeff Gustafson, I mean, always, you know, going to be a factor up north, of course. Um, Smallmouth fishing. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of with the same logic as Ronnie in the sense that there are some extremely high-picked, um, you know, individuals like Zaldane, Fighter, uh, Polinick, and rightfully so. I mean, all those guys, like, you know, Ronnie mentioned, are historically extremely good smallmouth fishermen have you know had good finishes up here Polinick obviously having won one uh Frazier as well I mean really really tough to go against those guys but uh I don't know I just kind of a gut feeling gonna go with uh, Gussie on this one Gussie's a good pick he uh obviously is from pretty far away from New York where he is in Canada sure but when you know smallmouth, you know smallmouth. And sure. for him during this whole entire quarantine to be back home fishing for smallmouth on his home lake, more you know he's going to be more tuned in to smallmouth now than if it was a normal elite season and we just got done with all the largemouth events. Right. He's been traveling around, hadn't been able to fish at home. He's been able to see some of these fish progress. And so I feel like that translates a lot quicker for someone like him. Um, and not that all these bass boats, whether they're aluminum, fiberglass, deep v whatever they are a lot of these guys are not gonna make a run in tough weather because they just don't want the risk with with someone like gussie who knows the rough water has a boat that's specifically made for that you know that lund i think that uh that's gonna take about take out any kind of concern for him to go maybe go out there if it is a little rougher on a day and and have some of the lake to himself so that's bucket c and that's one of my favorite buckets i've ever looked at in fantasy fishing there's plenty of good guys to get there and that's really the thing do you do you buy a guy that's really high percentage that a low percentage guy might finish one or two spots behind or just as good like the odds are very good that perch can do just as well or gussie can do just as well and if you can beat 35 percent of fantasy fishing players by just a point or two then that's gonna that's gonna put you way ahead at the end of the tournament at the end of the year so there's calculated risks uh, to go against chalk, and I think that this is one of them for me, and and yours, I'd say, is calculated as well. Him being the fifth, the highest owned sure. guy in the bucket. So, so we go over to bucket D. Uh, who do you have here? So there's a lot to discuss in bucket D uh, and E for that matter. But uh, I've got Corey Johnson, and okay, so you look at the percentage owned, fifty three point two percent, which incredible. is incredible, which is just wild. Uh, but something Ronnie and I had talked about, you know. You know, a day or two ago is when you get someone that high in percentage, it's almost, you know, kind of hard to justify going against them if you really think that they're going to beat everybody else in this bucket. And, you know, Corey Johnson so far has had a really tough year, um, you know, relative to what everybody expects out of himself and especially what he expects out of himself. I mean, you can tell just, you know, having heard Corey Johnson talk, he is extremely mad at him right now. Um, it seems like a guy that is just going to go in there and by any means necessary, uh, you know, have a good event. And, you know, at 53%, it was just not justifiable going against that with a gut instinct somewhere else. Just because, you know, I'm sure Ronnie probably feels the same way. You just have to feel that he's going to have a good event here. Like, he just can't afford not to. And, you know, I know he feels like that as well. And there's a lot of what-ifs that can happen in bass fishing. But if we rewind it to 2019 – He's making that run down towards the mouth of the St. Lawrence River where it meets Ontario and has some mechanical issues, you know, breaks down and then gets a backup boat, jumps in that. They clear the depth finder, you know, they clear the waypoints, they reset it to default so he doesn't have any waypoints that are not his. And uh, he goes off, heads down there, makes it down there, puts the troll motor in the water. Troll motor freaking falls off the boat, has to secure that. And then he fishes, 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 catches 22 pounds and change. He's, I'm going to make my way back and be safe and secure, running all the way back. Thinks he's 53 minutes early to check in, and he ends up being seven minutes late because when the graphs reset to default, it, it reset to prior to daylight savings time. And uh, 
boom, there goes him. Going from 22 and change, would have had him in seventh. Drops down to 60th place with 15 pounds. Makes his way back up and misses the cut by just a few ounces, like two or three ounces, misses the top 35 cut, and which is now the top 40 cut because the field's gotten a little bigger. But missed that cut after dropping the weight. We looked at the standings, and if he would have not had a penalty day one, he'd be sitting in fourth after day two. You don't know if he's going to go on and win the event. You don't know what, but I do know. He'd have been really hard to beat in Angler of the Year if he would have just if he would have been able to make that day three cut and move up some more. He lost Angler of the Year by less than ten points, mm-hmm. and he had his worst finish of the year at his best fi- best fishery of the year. So, I'm going with Corey as well. Fifty three percent. You know me. I stay the heck away from fifty percent people. Like <laughs> you have to, but seventy five percent of the bucket is taken up with three guys: Corey Johnston, uh, Lee Livesey. Um, I think it's actually 77%. Corey Johnson, Lee Livesey, and Garrett Paquette, those three guys are are taking over 8%, 14%, and 53%. And then you even have a Steve Kennedy in there, someone who made the top 10 last year. So very hard to go against Corey Johnston. Uh, you don't expect the Johnston brothers to be down in bucket D and E, um, but the fact that they are means they've had a tough year. Some of the other guys in those buckets definitely have had tough years as well. And I just don't see any smallmouth wizards in these buckets other than Corey Johnston for bucket D I that mean, I can that you can bank on at the St. Lawrence River. Yeah, I mean his whole career, I mean both the Johnson brothers, I mean anytime smallmouth are involved, anytime it's really fishing up north in general, I mean they are so hard to beat and I mean it's just like you said, it's almost one of those things that, you know, he's liable to have go out there and not catch a bass since we're saying all this now but I mean he's one of those guys that's just it's it's almost a lock that he's gonna um you know have a good event and you know at least contend for a cut sometimes when you're when you're picking a bucket d and e sometimes you're unsure about it more than anything and you're just hoping god I hope that guy at least makes the day three cut and can like move up we know on Corey Johnson's most hellacious worst day yep He's going to be at the cut line, no doubt, somewhere just barely below in whatever. So, but his, I always like to think of it this way: on these big, big water, big fish events, you got to know a guy can go catch twenty five pounds, and there's only a limited number of guys that know that they can go out and run this, 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 and probably catch twenty five pounds. And Corey's one of those guys, so yeah. he's never out of it. If he if he is at twenty one pounds and he's down in the pack, or if he's at eighteen pounds. He can go gamble and connect much more than other people that may be in that bucket. So that's that's another wild card factor as well. There's and there's a lot of calculated risk to go into that as well. I mean, like it's a it's a hard thing to put into words, but there's you know, there's certain people that just have the knack for that in these big, you know, big water smallmouth events and and Corey Johnson has proved that, you know, his entire career. Both the Johnson brothers have. So yeah, it's definitely uh that's definitely a easy pick quote-unquote to make you know regardless of the 53 percent your conscious is guilt-free <laughs> right yeah. uh and so as we move to bucket e it's a similar vibe uh because another johnston brothers in bucket e and and you know i hate picking guys 50 percent like like cory johnston being at 53 percent so you know i'm really gonna hate picking a guy that's at 59 percent ownership but same scenario here it's hard to pick against chris johnston got second here last time uh, and what's bad is he knows the lake better than he knows the river, and he was confined to the river last year. Now he's in the now he has the lake. That's the the opportunity is endless there. So with uh, Chris Johnston there, excited about that pick. It's a no brainer to me. There are some other alternatives in this bucket though. There's a Greg De Palma. We saw him get a top ten last year. He's at sixteen percent. Um. That's still that's that's a pretty solid percentage though. So you got seventy five percent with two guys, and then you've got Bob Downey and some of these guys who are from up north that are unknown guys that you could take a gamble on. But to be honest, if you take that gamble and fifty nine percent of fantasy fishing beats you by a point, like oh my gosh, like that's <laughs> that's a lot of people to to give points back to if your guy doesn't do well. Your risk, your gamble doesn't pay off. So. I hate to go chalk, but I'm going Chonston Brothers, both buckets, because of the way it's set up. It's the perfect storm for me to pick some high-percentage guys. I went with some underrated guys earlier, and I'm going with chalk in the last two buckets. Well, you say you hate to make that gamble. I'm making that gamble, baby. I'm doing it. (laughs) I am going Bernie Schultz in bucket E. So, Bernie Schultz, okay, so I think a lot of people naturally when they're picking, uh, picking their anglers per bucket, 
you naturally get you know in tune to where they're from even naturally somebody would see bernie schultz being from florida and think why on earth would you pick bernie schultz but historically has had good finishes uh in smallmouth fisheries you know i've obviously been fishing professional for such a long time as well i mean you know the more experience you gain up there the better just like anything but uh it's most certainly a gamble at 1.3 percent um it's one of those things i've just got a uh feeling about i don't know i mean one of those things you might get burned but i'm i'm willing to take the risk on this one and uh you know at one of these days you're gonna make one of those gambles is gonna pay off and i've you know i'm counting on this one to be the one well it's not not a bad pick at all and uh bernie schultz always seems to find him shallow somewhere in the st lawrence river enough to catch him good in his previous times he's been here for all five of the previous events but he's got a 12th a 15th a 6th i mean bernie schultz those are that's three top 15s in five events, not counting this year because he obviously hasn't, we haven't started the event. Three top 15s in, in five events. And uh, even if you even if you factor in other things, I just clicked and sorted on his angler page. Uh, top 20s. Listen to the locations of his top 20s in his career so far. New York, New York, Maryland, <laughs> New York, California, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, New York, New York, Wisconsin, Virginia, Alabama, New York, Alabama, New York. I don't even think this guy's from Florida anymore. This guy <laughs> has done so well in New York, Oneida, St. Lawrence, Cayuga was on that list as well. Yeah. The dude, it, it the crazy. dude, it really is crazy. I think he takes a lot of those southern principles, finding fish shallow in the heat of the summer. Everybody wants to go offshore. I think he finds that fishing shallow routine, and and it's just so much easier to fish shallow up there sure. at times. And uh, and and Bernie's done that, you know, whether it's with a with a senko or uh, maybe a hair jig, something like that, jerk bait, something like that. He's uh, he'll be one to watch. That's definitely underrated. I like that. Hey, you know what? I'm proud of you. Thank I'm, you. I'm proud of you for going against the grain. I'm, I'm proud of me too. You're well. more of a man than I am. Now, <laughs> at 1.3 percent, Bernie's going to be a, a solid under the radar pick. It's just, it's the same thing with Clun. Clun's had good events at the St. Lawrence before too. Shoot, Clun used to fish the St. Lawrence when Largemouth won. Right. Like that's how long ago Clun started fishing here. Uh, with guys like that, you just don't know how long their tricks can last. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like you just don't know when. Eventually, when it's those... gonna burn you to not be out there with. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the big ones. When but... when you needed three and a halfs to four and a quarters. You can do it up shallow all day long. When you need four and three quarters to five and a quarter, I don't know if I don't know if it's as easy. And so, uh, maybe they mix it in. You never know. Some of these guys who fish shallow up there predominantly are like sword off. I've gotten my butt beat. Uh, I'm gonna go and figure out some deep stuff to mix in, and they may correct their issues. You know, and it just seems so fickle. You know, the the, the shallower deal. Um, you know, like Ronnie said, you've definitely seen it factor in the past plenty of times. But but yeah, it definitely seems um, more fickle. And over a four day event. You know, it might be one of those deals where you get the bites to have the, uh, you know, 20, 20 plus pound bag. And then there might be days where you can't catch anything over a three pounder. And that just burns you big time because, you know, in the past, we've seen these weights the way they are. I mean, it, the line, the error for margin for error is not, you know, pretty, it's pretty small. I mean, you can have, you can catch a bunch of fish one day and not catch those, you know, four plus pounders and it costs you big time. Um, you know, for an average person, that might still seem like a good day of smallmouth fishing. But the St. Lawrence, you've had a blast. Normal yeah. smallmouth fishing. I mean, yeah. you have to have, you know, a heavy bag every single day to contend. And you know, I think that that's the biggest risk with you know, going against the grain and doing the shallow deal. You know, for sure. Yeah, and so I think that in that bucket E, it's it's a little dynamic. If you take Chris Johnson out of the bucket, I mean, over half the bucket is Louisiana and Texas guys. Sure. Not saying they can't catch them up north, but that's that's a tall task. And so you've got Louisiana, Florida, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, those guys. You've even got the guys like uh, like a Brian Snowden uh, got a top ten last year there. Um, there are some options for sure if you just do not want to pick uh, the chalk pick of Chris Johnston. But you know what? I'm sitting at 96% overall in fantasy fishing. I'm going to be greedy here. I'm going to make sure that I got two solid picks down there. And uh, if I'm wrong, 
I'm wrong. I'll admit it. It's one of those things too. I, I know Ronnie's like this as well. When you think that you, you know, you follow the elites and you follow pro fishing so much and you really feel like you know what you're talking about. You hate to pick the the guy that everybody's going with, even beyond the number factor, you know, the playing the percentages. You just hate to go with the majority, but sometimes, I mean, it's really hard to go against the majority when it's uh, when it's the Johnson brothers in bucket D and E. That's, that's you know, hard you know, to go against. You know, I've got years and years and years of studying, and I'm just going to pick the chalk guy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah. that's the tough thing. All this thing. insider information, but we're yeah, picking. And that's picking the thing that with fantasy fishing, you sometimes talk yourself out of the smart, easy pick because it's so easy. Everyone's mm-hmm. picking them, but it's sure. like maybe it's just so easy and everyone's picking them because it's the right dang pick. Yeah, you can definitely overthink it. I've done that plenty of times in fantasy fishing. So we've set our teams. We've locked them in, and uh, I'm content with my guys. I think that I think we're going to show out this week. Uh, I can't wait for Ronnie Moore's name to be at the top of the fantasy fishing leaderboard one day for an event, and I will just, I will let everybody in the world know it. Like, look at this. Told y'all. You didn't listen to the podcast. Told you. So if you're still listening to the podcast at this point in it, I appreciate it. Um, check out some of the other ones. We'll have some stuff before every single event coming up, and I'm super excited. Bassmaster is back, kicking it off our two-week event um, spree in New York, starting off at the St. Lawrence River ending it with champlain next week and we will be uh if champlain goes off without a hitch we'll be four events into the bassmaster elite series season when we end july so excited about that tune in all week on espn2 live that's amazing bass fishing on espn2 so stoked about that uh we'll be doing the whole the whole crew will be out there hustling mercer and davy height out on the water Zona, Tommy, myself, and Suchin Studio. Kyle will be one of the guys behind the scenes making all the bonus coverage happen. And uh, we'll be putting out plenty of clips on social media. So tune in, check it out, and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, If you didn't, um, just I'm really (laughs) sorry. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it. Uh, I'll try to do better next time. So that was Cast a Podcast uh, with Ronnie Moore. I appreciate y'all listening to episode 19, Fantasy Fishing Perspective on the St. Lawrence River. Thank you to Kyle and Nolan, my two guests today, breaking down the fishery and breaking down the fantasy picks. We'll see you at the next one.